This is the Brazoria County Minute. And now the host of the Brazoria County Minute, Kristen English. Okay, hi, I'm Kristen English with EXP Realty, and I am here in the Be Remembered Studios in Lane Jackson, Texas. And I have my guest here today, Pastor Dr. David Wong. He is with Harvest for the Hungry. And if you have not heard of this um, nonprofit organization that's in our area, I'm super excited for you to get to find out about it today. I just learned about it last year, and it's just a really cool thing. Constantly new things, and it's growing, and I'm excited for you to get to hear about it today. So, uh, Dr. David Wong, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, first of all, thank you, Kristen, for having me on your podcast. Yes, excited to have you here. So my name Such is... Such a cool guy, you guys. Such a cool guy. <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, my name is David Wong, as you mentioned, and I do serve as a pastor at a church in Cyprus, Texas, called Faith Fellowship Presbyterian Church. Okay. And I also do serve as a physician at the uh, Veterans Affairs Medical Center in the emergency room. Um, in the medical center. Okay. And so, um, in addition to that, um, I am a proud husband and father of two little daughters, uh, three and four and a half. And so, uh, between all those things, um, they keep me busy, but uh, I am also passionate about uh, helping our community, uh, especially those that are struggling with food insecurity. And yeah. that's, that's really... Um, uh, a little bit about what I usually do during the week. Okay. Well, so can you tell us um, what what um, what kind of birthed the idea of this nonprofit organization for you? So when I grew up, I personally struggled with food insecurity. Uh, my parents were immigrants. Uh, as a child, I grew up in poverty, and there were many nights where we did not have food uh, on the table. Uh, much less healthy food on the table. So there were nights that I went to bed um, with an empty stomach. And more than that, um, there was a lot of shame, embarrassment, um, and alienation from food insecurity as a child. I still remember having to uh, go up to the cashier with that food ticket, free lunch, and all my peers watching me and teasing me and that left uh, a lasting impression yeah. on my uh, childhood I can imagine. and um, as a result of that I grew up praying and that God would one day show me um, the time and the place to be able to open up a farm where we could dress a food insecurity in our community. Okay, so that's so that's what you have now, right? So um, the the reason that I really you know wanted to interview you and get um, this information out there is because um, before I met you last year and um, our our mutual friend Lisa Werner uh, took us out and showed you or showed us the farm. Um, I had driven by it many times and mm -hmm. always wondered, what is that? And so it was really exciting to get to go. And when you gave us the tour and to see all that is happening out there, I was just blown away. And so um, if you can you tell us where it's located? So any of our viewers who have driven by that that have wondered what it is can put the two and two together? Absolutely. So Harvest for the Hungry is located at 4302 
Freeport, Texas. And so it's technically an oyster creek, and it's located on 61 acres. Um, and that 61 acres is broken down into 30 acres of water, lake and pond, and then 31 acres of land. Okay, so if you're if you're like driving from Oyster Creek down, what is it, five, FM 523? That's the right road, right? Yes. Okay, and you're going towards like, um, what is that, um, two, FM 2004? Right. Yes. Okay. So you're going to pass would be on your right hand side. Correct. Um, there is a little like it's a red barn right out by the road. And there, it says harvest for the hungry on it. That's absolutely right. That we're, is where he's at. That is where we're at. We're right across the street from the Oyster Creek uh, City Park. Mm-hmm. Um, there is also the City Hall, free, uh, the Oyster Creek City Hall. And uh, we're right past that. Just like you said, Kristen, uh, there's a red shed with a large Harvest for the Hungry logo on FM 523. And you guys have a new structure there on the property that you've just uh, that you've just built as well. So if anyone's been driving by in the past year, they've seen that being erected there. Absolutely. That that is our new learning center. Uh, that's a four thousand square foot education center where we're teaching um, the community the benefits to eating healthy. And that building structure sits on the corner of five twenty three and uh, County Road seven ninety two. Okay. Yeah, that's great. That's exciting. Um, I think that um, you had told me there'll be like some cooking classes and things like that, so that the people when they get the healthy food can be taught what to actually do with it. Um, because I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of just average Americans who, you know, um, don't have food insecurity that would not know how to prepare healthy food at times. So I think that that's, that's great. Yeah, so at Harvest for the Hungry, um, we really focus on three things. Our, our mission is to provide healthy farm-to-table food for those struggling with uh, food insecurity. But as a pastor and as a physician, uh, the mission behind the mission is we want to share the gospel. We want everyone to know Jesus. And that's the reason why Harvest for the Hungry was actually formed. And so we use feeding people physically as a platform for feeding people spiritually. And we do that through three things. And I like to uh, remember uh, things in mnemonics. So it's the three E's. So we want to give uh, the community members who are struggling with food insecurity, we want to give them an experience. So we want to teach them how to garden and farm so that they're putting their hands in the soil, they're preparing the soil, they're able to plant, maintain, and harvest. So they get that experience where they can also take that back and what they learned at the farm, they can do at their That's own wonderful. home in their backyard. They can make a raised bed and have a sustainable food source that's healthy and nutritious. Oh, that's really good. I love that. I really love that. The second E is education. Just as you mentioned, we built this 4,000 square foot education center. So the a community that's struggling with food insecurity, once they harvest their food, they bring it to the education center and we teach them the benefits to eating healthy the vitamins, the nutrients, the protein, their fiber. We teach them how to prepare the food in a healthy and tasty manner. And that's not just oven and stovetop cooking, but that's also non-traditional ways such as canning, freeze drying, dehydrating. 
and many other ways. And we really want to emphasize that because a lot of times our food insecure population is dependent on food pantries. And food pantries, God bless them, they do give a lot of food to those in need. But unfortunately, a lot of their food are canned, right. which canned food have high salt content, mm-hmm. or they're boxed foods, which are typically highly processed. Right, they have lots high, of preservatives. A lot of preservatives, mm-hmm. a lot of fat, a lot of sugars in there. We want to give them local healthy food and show them how to prepare it in a healthy and tasty manner that's has a long shelf life. If you just put these fruits and vegetables in the refrigerator or outside, they're going to spoil within a couple of weeks. But if you're able to can them, freeze dry them, then you can actually preserve these healthy, nutritious foods for years. Wow. Yeah, so true. And then the third E is evangelism. We want to share the gospel with everybody that comes out. We want everybody to know Jesus. We want them to feel God's presence. When people come out to the 61 Acres, one of the first comments that I always hear is that it's so peaceful out here. You can really feel God's presence out there and not only see all of his creation on display uh, in terms of the property, but also his people, these creations of his people and the love and the community wanting to help the community succeed. So really, those are the three things that we emphasize at Harvest for the Hungry, experience, education, and evangelism. Yeah, and I can definitely attest to the feeling that you get when you're there. I know when I've you know I've been out there, um, I kind of feel like you're in your own, like the, this little bubble out there. It's like you feel like you can breathe a little deeper, and um, it's just very, very peaceful, and you can just feel it kind of fall over you. When, when you're there. So it's, it's, it definitely can attest to that. Yeah, and it's really a blessing because um, if you look at when we started Harvest for the Hungry, we started in 2019. That's when we were incorporated and became a nonprofit. That has not been very long. That has <clears throat> not been very long. And very importantly, during that period of time, that was the COVID pandemic. Right, right. And that's when God gave us the greatest growth for Harvest for the Hungry, wow. not only in production. We've produced over 18,000 um, pounds of food for our community. Um, we've been able to accumulate over 1,000 volunteers uh, during these uh, um, short few years. Uh, we've been able to have over 36 nutritional education classes promoting healthy eating. And then we've had um, over 60-plus people who've come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And so those are some of our key metrics. And again, that all happened during the COVID-19 pandemic. The least likely time that you would think. Yes. And so God gave us growth during that time because a lot of people— they were quarantined, and they were looking for a way to get outside right. into the fresh mm-hmm. air and to be able to help serve their community. Right, utilize their time to, to get out there. And, and so we really were blessed, and we look forward you know, to, to seeing what God will have for us the, the next uh, few years to, to, to decade, Lord willing. Yeah, that's awesome. So you mentioned um, you know, feeding the community. Can you tell me some of the ways that um, Harvest for the Hungry— uh, gets the food out there to to the people in need? Yes. So before I, I get to that question, I should really tell 
what types of foods we have yes, out there. Yes, yes. So we have five types of food at Harvest for the Hungry. Number one, we have uh, high tunnels and we have uh, field crops. And we grow lots of different types of vegetables, squash, zucchini, tomatoes, cucumbers, you name it, we grow it. Secondly, we have fruit trees out there. We have apple trees. We did have a lot of citrus, but because of the past couple of years where there were freezes. Yeah, it's really hard on the citrus trees. They're very hard on the citrus trees. So we've now kind of switched to apple trees, which they like the cold weather. They like to have some chill hours. And so we have apple trees. We have pear trees. uh, And we have some other um, fruit trees like pomegranates. Uh, Thirdly, we have chickens. We have uh, over 100 chickens, and they lay about an egg every day or every other day. So you get lots of eggs. We get lots of eggs, a great protein source. Um, Number four is we have uh, 26 bee boxes. Wow. Lots of honey. (laughs) Each box produces about 40 gallons of honey at least once a year. And local honey is so good for you. It's very good, especially for those who have allergies. Yes. Bees use the pollen to help make nectar and and, uh, honey, which if you take the honey, helps you definitely um, be a little bit more immune to allergies and pollen in this area. Yes. And I I drink... um, my coffee with with local honey in it every day, and it has helped tremendously combat any allergy issues that I have had over the last couple of years. So very very healthy. It's great for the immune system, but more important than the honey is their pollinators. So without bees, we get a certain amount of crop yield, but with bees, we get three times or more. Wow. That's crop amazing. Yield with, with bees. So we're really looking for ways to um, simulate an ecosystem that's synergistic with different parts of the farm. And then the fifth and last part is, as I mentioned, half of the property is water, lake, and pond. We were blessed uh, approximately two and a half years ago with a $10,000 grant from Bass Pro. And we use that money to stock the lake with channel catfish, F1 big mouth bass, and crappie, all edible fish. And so this goes back to what I was saying earlier. We don't want to just give people a bag of food and and send them home. We want to teach them how to fish so that we can feed them for life. Yeah, like the old saying goes, uh, what what is it? um, Give a man a fish, feed him for a day. Teach him how to fish, feed him him for for life. life. Yeah. And so that's... That's That's your goal, yeah. That's our goal out there. We want them to learn life skill sets at the farm and so that they can take it back home, whether it's make a garden or make healthy choices in their eating or how to prepare the food so they get the full life cycle. Unfortunately, what I hear from some of our food pantry partners are that uh, many of the food insecure are dependent on food pantries. And so we have three within five to 10 mile radius of the farm. We have Brazos uh, uh, Port Cares Food Pantry. We have Brazoria County Dream Center and we have the Food Basket. And so what I hear is oftentimes um, a food insecure community will a member will, will tell me that they'll go to food pantry A on Monday, they'll go to food pantry B on Wednesday, and then they'll go to food pantry C on Friday. So they're dependent, right. and there's a cycle that they can't break out of. 
One of our goals is to help the community members help themselves so they can break that cycle. Yeah, that's great. But your question, Kristen, was, you know, how do we get the food um, to the community? So we do it really through three ways. One is we really want the community members that are struggling with food insecurity to come out to the farm so they can experience where their food yeah, is coming from. Yeah, get their from. hands in the dirt a little bit. Exactly. Put some sweat equity yeah. into it. And then they can leave with some food and skill sets. They're educated and we share the gospel. Yeah, with that's them. wonderful. The second way is with surplus foods, we do donate them to our food pantry partners. As so, you just mentioned, the three that you send to. Exactly. Okay. And then the third way is through word of mouth. If someone tells me who's a volunteer or who's a fa- uh, um, part of the food pantries and they send it, um, a family to, our, to us, we will give them um, food. We'll give them the opportunity to experience where their food is coming from. Okay, awesome. You mentioned volunteers. So if anyone who's watching this wants an opportunity mm-hmm. to come out and see the farm and, and help out, what are some of the, the volunteer opportunities that you have for people? So we have standing volunteer days on every first and third Saturday of each month. Okay, first and third Saturday. Okay. From 9.30 to noon, and they'll get the opportunity to experience the uh, three E's, uh, farming experience, the nutritional education, and evangelism. Okay. So that's one way is that they could come on those days. The second way is that they can contact us through our website, harvestforthehungrytexas.org. Okay. Harvestforthehungrytexas.org. There's a contact tab there, and it'll either go to me or it'll go directly to my staff, and we can organize if we get at least one or two-week notice for members to come out, as well as for volunteer organizations, whether it's a small group or whether it's um, a large group like a corporation community yes, volunteer Yes, yes, I've day. been out there before when you've had some large groups. Uh, I think there was they were painting the deck and, and yes. something like that when I was out there one day. Yeah. Yes, and so we get lots of nonprofits, for-profits, uh, churches, and just individuals. And one thing I do want to emphasize is that anybody can come out and volunteer. You don't have to just be a gardener. You don't have to be somebody who can do physical manual labor. You can be individuals who um, could help us with doing indoor stuff. Like we had volunteers this past week and people were helping us um, put in shelves. They were helping us put put together seed packets. They were helping us put together um, different packages and helping us prepare food for the volunteers. Uh, They were helping us to organize uh, the new education center. So the point I'm trying to make is that there isn't a certain demographic, there isn't a certain race, there isn't a certain um, skill set that's needed. All are welcome at Harvest for the Hungry. Okay, great. Sounds like there's a lot of opportunities for anyone, um, any age or anything for for. Uh, them to be able to help out there. Absolutely. um, One more thing that I wanted to kind of highlight before we end our conversation. um, On the property, uh, other than just, you know, the farm and and the water, there are some buildings that can be utilized. Can you tell us about those? Yes. So uh, thanks for that question, uh, Kristen. So prior to Harvest for the Hungry purchasing the property, this uh, property actually belonged to my medical colleague. And uh, I had briefly told you about um, how I struggled as a child with food insecurity. And I had been praying for the past 30 to 40 years that God would show me 
where and when to start an organization like this so we could address food insecurity so others wouldn't have to go through what I went through. So five years ago, my medical colleague asked me, do you know anyone who wants to buy 61 acres in Freeport? <laughs> so I knew God was telling me that's where Pay to go. Yeah, yeah. And then the following week, friends and families and others aligned with the mission of addressing food insecurity came in, poured in money so that we purchased the property. Wow, everything just aligned. Yes. And so my medical colleague was using uh, the house that's currently located on the property for a weekend home. Okay. And so what we are now using that house for is for Airbnb. And so for those that are wanting to volunteer or those that are wanting to just enjoy the farm, uh, it is available for Airbnb, and all of those um, uh, funds go directly back into the nonprofit organization. And so the the uh, the home that's being air you know on Airbnb, it's uh what it's it's really close to the beach. So what like maybe five minutes or so from the beach. It's five to seven minutes right. driving from the beach. So exactly. um you know if anyone uh you know has is hosting, it's a large house. Uh, what is it? Four bedrooms. Four bedrooms, right. thirty-five uh, hundred square feet with a fenced-in pool, uh, three and a half baths. So it's uh, it sleeps comfortably. Twelve um, individuals. There's pull-out beds and uh, a large large living room and den. Yeah. So I actually co-hosted a, an event there earlier this year, and we, I believe that we had at times we had some come and go people, but I think at times there we probably had you know fifteen. 16, 17 people there comfortably eating, you know, sitting around on the couches and hanging out and just enjoying the, um, you know, just the, just the, the yard, you know, and, and the lake right, right outside yeah. the, the house. And so, um, for anyone who is wanting to maybe host an event there or, um, has family coming out of town and wants to be close to the beach, or just if you have any friends or family out of town that want to be, um, you know, close to the beach and, have a really beautiful farm to stay at for the weekend or the week. I mean, that's it's a great place. So, yeah, thank you, Kristen. And so, for anyone who might be interested, uh, they can look on Evolve Airbnb. Um, it's posted um, on those websites. They can also look through the Harvest for the Hungry Texas.org website. Okay, so it's on that website as well. Yeah, and they can go through the contact button and we can make sure that uh, they get taken care of. And what other sorts what other sorts of events can be hosted there? All sorts of events. And so um, what types of events have we had before? We've had company uh, team building events. We've had birthday party events, quinceaneros uh um, type events. And so you name it. A small wedding would be possible. A small wedding would be possible. As I could well. imagine, you know, the, the lake as the backdrop under the trees there with some twinkle lights. Yes. Would definitely be a great spot. It's very picturesque. Yeah. No sure. doubt there. For sure. Okay. Any other, anything else on the property you want to highlight? The other thing that I probably would like to highlight is the 4,000 square foot education center. And okay. so uh, we are going to be using that area not only for education, but uh, we also will have opportunities to allow for people to rent that out as well. That space is... Uh, as okay, so this before. is another possible event space there on the property. Absolutely. So if the house doesn't meet your needs for an event, then there's that option as well. Most definitely. And, okay. and there's a, it's uh, 4,000 square feet of open space. And so it, 
it's it sits comfortably 50 plus uh, individuals. So you can have events there, team building events, um, any of those um, events that we talked about, birthday, wedding, um, uh, team building events or, or anything else. Okay, that's wonderful. All right. Well, um, thank you so much for joining me today. And everyone who's watched this, keep Harvest for the Hungry in mind for volunteer opportunities or, um, you know, any events that you're having in the future. Uh, keep, keep, keep them in mind. Um, and so thank you for being here with me today. Thank you, Kristen, for having me on your podcast. <laughs> the Brazoria County Minute is brought to you by BeRemembered.us. Tell your story. Be remembered.